0: G'day Sports by Fry fans. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Sports by Fry podcast. Hope you're having a ripper weekend. Going to dive into another Fry's Fast Five here. Not a lot to talk about from an AFL perspective, so it's a pretty much all-American-themed episode. And I'm going to start with Week 7 in the NFL. We've already seen one game be played with the Chiefs taking care of Denver. Paddy Mahomes getting injured in that game is a pretty big talking point, but I'm not here to talk about the past. I'm going to talk about what lies ahead. So we've got the full slate of week seven games, apart from obviously Thursday night's game to look forward to. And I'll be honest, even though I am looking forward to them, there's not a ton of games in the early window that really tickle my fancy. I mean, there should be some interesting matchups between Oakland and Green Bay that could be worth watching. Similar with Houston and Indianapolis. But the real headliners in Week 7, I think, lie in the uh, late afternoon and evening games. So first one of those that piques my interest is Seattle versus Baltimore. The Ravens are going to be debuting their new cornerback they traded for, Marcus Peters, after he left the Rams. And then, of course, the Rams traded for Jalen Ramsey to fill that void. So Marcus Peters will get to debut for Baltimore. Two good defenses clashing in Seattle with Obviously, the Seahawks and Ravens typically known for their defensive style of play. Two very similar quarterbacks as well. Russell Wilson is obviously a bit of a class above Jackson at the moment, but they both like to use their feet. They're both showing, uh, especially Wilson, how good they can be in the passing game. So it'll be interesting to watch this one. Big storyline out of this one's the return of Earl Thomas to Seattle, who signed with the Ravens in the offseason and uh, most famously flipped off Pete Carroll, the head uh, Seattle coach, after he injured himself while he was playing for the Seahawks and he was being carted off the field. So don't be surprised if there's some bad blood in this one. From all reports, it seems like it's going to be uh, happy-go-lucky and everyone's going to be nice about this uh, return to Seattle. But yeah, it'll be interesting to watch that one. The second afternoon game that I'm looking at involves the Saints and the Bears. Interesting matchup. Trubisky's back under center for Chicago, but he could be in for a tough day because you could argue that the Saints defensive line is the best in the league and probably one of the best units in total in the entire NFL. So... It'll be interesting to see how Trubisky goes under centre. The Bears offensive line leaves a lot to be desired, so it might be in for a rough day at the office. However, on the other side of the ball, it's not like uh, that. New Orleans is going to take care of business without having to do some work. They're going to be missing Jared Cook and Alvin Kamara in this one. So what exactly Teddy Bridgewater can do will be interesting. Chicago's got a pretty good defence as well, so it'll be fun to watch and see exactly what Teddy Bridgewater can do. In Chicago, but I think I have faith in them taking care of business. Final game I want to talk about is Philadelphia versus Dallas, the last game on Sunday night. Both teams desperately need a win sitting at 3-3, and and the winner will pretty much uh, wrestle control in the NFC West. Both teams are going to be missing their, let's be honest, number one wide receiver with Deshaun Jackson set to miss I think his fourth game in a row, and Amari Cooper under an injury cloud for Dallas as well, so This is going to be a really tough game to pick. It's in Dallas, so that gives the Cowboys a slight edge. But I wouldn't be surprised if Carson Wentz and the rest of the Eagles rolled in there and took care of business. If I had to give a tip, I'd side just with Dallas because they are at home. But I think that is the match to watch this weekend. Second thing I want to discuss, sticking with the NFL, is a couple of bets that I've got lined up for this weekend. Like I've mentioned, I don't really love the early slate, but I've dug around and found a couple of games that you might want to take a punt on. My favorite option is to bet for Seattle to win against Baltimore in that late afternoon game. And then sticking with those afternoon games, I got on the New Orleans Saints plus five and a half. So against Chicago, they probably should win, but just a little bit of extra point coverage uh, helped there. So that's my favorite bets, but I've combined three in the early goings that you might want to take a flyer on as well. Detroit will take on Minnesota in an NFC North clash, and I think the Vikings could keep up their offensive dominance, but I have more faith in Detroit keeping this game close. I've given them plus 7.5. I don't know why I like to round out the numbers, make it a nice touchdown or a nice field goal or double-digit win or loss, etc., but, yeah, I've stuck with that for now, so I've got the Lions plus 7.5. Next game is the Colts against Houston. Indianapolis has had a week off. They're getting... A couple of their players back from injury. They're going to be raring to go against this Houston team that is still pretty good and probably the favourite in the AFC South, but the Colts plus three and a half was too tempting for me to ignore. The final game, I think Green Bay will win this game, but them taking on Oakland has upset alert written all over it. So I'm going to back in the Raiders. However, I know that things can change late. Aaron Rodgers throws a late touchdown or someone gets off the chain and all of a sudden the margin blows out from three or four points closer to eight. So I'm going to give the Raiders a plus nine and a half head start. So as long as they don't lose by double digits, that'll be fine there. Probably throw a fiver down on those three games. Because like I said, I don't love the other slate, but the afternoon games is where I'll probably put most of my hard-earned coin into. But as always, if you are going to gamble on the NFL this weekend, make sure you do so responsibly. Third thing I want to discuss is, I've teased this a few times, but JLo and I promise, swear to God, tomorrow are sitting down to record our NBA preview podcast, one for each conference, and look at the over and under win total projected for each team, a couple of their ins and outs from the off-season, and then just talk for two to three minutes about each squad. In that, we're going to make our award pick. So I'm going to give you a little bit of a teaser here, my MVP pick. I'm leaning towards Steph Curry. I've got to watch quite a bit of him, and gone back over the weekend and re-watched some of the Warriors' preseason games, and he looks unreal. Steve Kerr came out with a quote that I've addressed on another Fast Five, talking about how Steph is pretty much as he's at his peak mentally and physically, and I can't really argue with him, honestly. So I'm tempted to go on Steph Curry, but I'll be honest, this is Giannis's award to lose, at least for the next couple of years. We could see someone like Kawhi or, I don't know, who's another star? Anthony Davis, maybe. Curry as well. Step up and grasp the... Uh, MVP mantle from him, but at the moment I'm sticking with Antetokounmpo to hold on to it. I mean, the Bucks are probably going to put up very similar win totals. 60 wins is tough to replicate, and I think they actually got a little bit worse in the off-season, but they can lean probably a little bit heavier on Giannis. I know that rest and workload and all these other terms are trending throughout the NBA, and load management, but I think that Giannis can nurse a little bit more of the burden, and probably put up similar, if not maybe even a bit better, numbers. He took strides throughout the year in shooting the three pointer, so I think he is the one to beat at the beat beaten at the moment for the MVP. So it's a boring pick, but I'll probably stick with him. My most improved player, I think I'm gonna go with Lonzo Ball, especially if Zion Williamson is going to miss a couple of games through injury and probably also have his load managed and be They're going to definitely proceed with caution with him. I'm going to talk about his injury a little bit later. But Lonzo for most improves my pick. His jumper looks great. He's shown a lot of improvement and growth in that area. And I have a lot of confidence in him hopefully staying healthy and staying on the court. And if he does, then he will be a definite candidate for the most improved player award. Last one I want to talk about is the coach of the year. Usually this is just penciled in for the coach that leads the team to the best record. But... I think Eric Spolstra could be a candidate for Coach of the Year this year. He's finally got a decent roster. I really like the looks of Tyler Hero, Justice Winslow and Jimmy Butler as a tandem. The three of them working together. They've got the pieces to potentially make another trade. Chris Paul's been rumoured to go there a couple of times now. That would be a perfect landing spot, in my opinion, if they wanted to try and pry away Kyle Lowry. But I don't see the Toronto doing that, so... Maybe they've got a move left in them, Goran Dragic is a decent trade chip, but I think Spo will do enough to lead them maybe to a top four seed out east. There's a bit of murkiness around who is the third and fourth best teams out in the east, and I have a bit more confidence in the heat over the likes of the Boston Pacers and Torontos of the world, so Spo for coach of the year for me. Fourth thing to talk about is Bradley Beal's extension. If you haven't heard... The Washington Wizards All-Star signed a two-year, $72 million extension off the top of my head. So basically, that makes him one of the highest-paid, if not the highest-paid shooting guard over the whole length of his contract. Smart move by Washington, let's be honest. They didn't really have any other path to go down. If they're going to pay John Wall all this money, they may as well also pay... Beal and keep the two of them together. Good to see Beal's loyalty throughout these tough times. It's a plus for Wizards because they've had a pretty rough... I mean, they've had a couple of playoff stints, but they've had a pretty rough last couple of seasons. He is hoping that Beal can stay healthy and keep developing. He's a 25-5-5 five and five guy when he is healthy and his back-to-back all-star appearances are no fluke. So I love Bradley Beal. I would have liked to see him play for maybe a contending team and get moved. But if he's going to stay there, hopefully Wall gets healthy and Ruri Hachimura, who I kind of like, but he seems like he's going to need to develop at least for a couple of seasons. But if they get those three rolling, maybe 2021, 2022, they can start to win some games right in the back end of Beal and Wall's prime and win something of note. But it's been a long climb back for the Wizards, but Beal definitely extending his contract is a thumbs up for Wiz fans. Fifth and final thing I'm going to talk about is Zion Williamson's injury. So we know that he is now going to miss at least a chunk of the regular season. This is a theme that I'm starting to sense with Zion, and we don't need to freak out and overreact too much, but considering the way he plays, his athleticism and his explosiveness can be viewed as his greatest strength, but it might also be his downfall and his greatest weakness. He's missed time in college, although that was a bit of a freak injury with his shoe blowing out. He missed time throughout the summer league and was managed. And now he's going to miss time at least to start the season and probably throughout the season. So we don't all need to panic about Zion, but the Pelicans have to be careful with how they use him. You can't lean on him similarly to the way that the LeBron Jameses of the world play 82 games and 35 plus minutes each night. Kevin Durant's another one who's been known for his durability Zion will probably have to be deployed a little bit more Aunt Davis, Kawhi Lenity. And what I mean by that is that he might only play 70 games max in a season, but keeping him healthy and letting him use his explosiveness in bursts, as weird as that sounds, is probably going to be the smartest thing for the Pels. I don't want to see him go out there and he's... Oh, God. Knowing his explosiveness, he's almost an ACL waiting to happen. But I don't want to wish any bad... Jojo, um, jo- Mo- what's the word? Juju. B- Mojo. Bad Juju on Zion. He's already got this injury rolling into the start of the season. So he is hoping this is just an anomaly and he can play the majority of his rookie year. Because if so, he is the favourite to take home Rookie of the Year honours. That's all I've got for this fries Fast Five. Thank you for tuning in once again. Make sure you check out the podcast that JLo and I drop tomorrow. I promise that's happening. I know I've teased it a few times now, but... The regular season starts on Wednesday, so the clock is ticking. We have to get it out on Monday. So I'll release another Fast Five, talking a little bit about them on Tuesday, wrapping up the NFL, and maybe there'll be some AFL news to talk about. Who knows? But thanks for listening to this episode. Until next time, peace.